checking out college football on the West Coast. This is Get Off My Pylon, a look at the Pac-12 and more. Part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Here's your host, Matt Zimmer. Welcome to the Get Off My Pylon College Football Podcast, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast College Football Podcast Network. Listen to your favorite College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcasts at Red Circle. Also at Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Matt Zemek. He's Alex Blau. And we're chopping it up uh, after week eight and the big event in the Pac-12 and in Western college football. That's what we're covering on Get Off My Pylon. Uh, Oregon just takes it to UCLA 45 to 30. The game was not even that close. It, it was yes, more sir. lopsided than the 15-point final margin. So, Alex, without really much of any fanfare, like we all saw the beatdown that the Ducks delivered to Chip Kelly uh, in his return to Austin Stadium, just what's your overview of this game and what you saw? Uh, it's, it feels like nature's healing a little bit when UCLA is not in front of the Pac-12. You know what I mean? Um, I will say, real quick, Matt Zemeck, not to uh, – so you don't go anywhere too quickly. This was the Bo Nix game, huh? This sure was, was, we've been talking about it all season. You and I, you know, if you play our first episode compared to now, every week you and I warm up to Bo Nix just a little bit more, a little bit more. By the way, do you know who was calling that UCLA Oregon game? Do you remember who was, comment, who was commentating on that game? Uh, I believe, well, I know Brock Heward was doing the uh, the uh, color commentary, the color so that's commentary. probably Jason Benetti yeah. doing the play-by-play. Oh, man, dude, those guys, I think, probably have a few Bonix fan accounts on Facebook now that they're running. They could not stop praising Bonix. It was a little ridiculous, I thought. And pr- hey, I when a guy, one of, hey, when one a guy their plays touchdown a great passes, game, when a guy plays Matt's a great game, what else are you going to do? Matt, I'm pretty sure I heard them say that one of his touchdown passes, like, I think the second or the third touchdown pass from about 35, 40 yards out, they said it was kissed by the Angels. And I was like, okay, look, I love to see UCLA go down too, but this is getting a bit ridiculous. Uh, well, but no, Bo Nix really—he looked like he—he uh, looked like he uh, was that guy. He looked like he had supernatural powers on Saturday. Five touchdowns, zero picks. He almost had as many touchdowns as he had incompletions. Um, this was the game that uh, people, when he came over from Auburn. Uh, people on the Pac-12 who maybe hadn't seen that much SEC football but knew he was from there were ex- was expecting him to have, and he's starting to deliver. Well, you know, you, you said that uh, one of his throws was described by the Fox crew as being kissed by the Angels. Well, he was heavenly, and and the duck the Ducks' wings were certainly uh, flying, just like the Angels' yeah. wings. So, you know, can't argue too much with the metaphor, especially when you play a game like that. And, you know, people know, ah. people know especially – from my work at Trojans Wire, the, the things that I said in the offseason, hey, I was a foremost critic of Bonex, so I have to own this. I have to take yeah. the L. I have to take the L. Then I was wrong about Bonex, point blank. Uh, you know, he did throw the pick six against Washington State, but, you know, his defense gave him a chance to win that game, and he took that opportunity, and Oregon yeah. hasn't looked back since. And really, when we look at that Oregon-Washington State game, like, that was a sharp 180 degree uh turnaround moment for both teams oregon has been brilliant since that moment washington state has been bad 
since that moment. It's a, it's one of the yeah. really central turning points of the season. You know, in terms of the Bo Nix conversation, since that you took us down that path, and I'm glad that you did. You know, I, I wrote something. Early. I wrote something at Trojans Wire about you know, in 2021, the quarterback play in the Pac-12 was not very good. This year, the quarterback play is a lot better. Bo Nix is part of that story. But we also have to balance that against the idea that Pac-12 defenses have really regressed. And I'm really interested in your thoughts on this, Alex, because it's a fascinating discussion. I mean, Bonix has been great. Don't get me wrong. He's been great. And I didn't think he'd be great. Again, he proved me wrong. But are we seeing in the Pac-12 this season, Alex, are we seeing just quarterbacks being great independent of outside factors? Or are, are we seeing Pac-12 quarterbacks being great because the defenses have regressed? Now, Utah didn't play this past weekend, but Utah's defense looks nothing like a typical Kyle Whittingham defense. You're not seeing the pass rush. You're not seeing that Sack Lake City identity from the Utes. Like, they've taken a few steps back, and they can't figure out mobile quarterbacks. They couldn't defend Anthony Richardson of Florida. They couldn't defend Dorian Thompson Robinson of UCLA. They couldn't defend Caleb Williams and USC. And so I'm just wondering, like, if Utah's defense is bad, and a few other Pac-12 defenses have definitely regressed from last year, and Oregon's defense isn't even special. Just need to make, you know, when, you're, when your offense is playing like that, you just need to make a few plays, exactly what Oregon did. It's a lot like the way UCLA beat Utah. UCLA's defense gave up 479 yards to Utah, but it got a few times with turnovers, and that's all it needed. So, Alex, are the Pac-12 quarterbacks just being dominant, period? Like, they'd be smoking anybody? Or is there something to be said for the idea that Pac-12 defenses are, are for the most part, not Oregon State, but in most cases, are taking a step back in 2022? Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's both. And I think to bring it back to this UCLA-Oregon game, both reasons, everything that you just mentioned is encapsulated and embodied in this UCLA Oregon game. A, uh, QB play in the Pac-12 all around is better, uh, whether it's the transfers that have come into the Pac-12, those being like Bo Nix, like we saw in this Oregon UCLA game, Caleb Williams at USC, uh, or you just have players who have been in the Pac-12 that at the end of this year and going at the end of last year and going into this year, really started to make a name for themselves and have shown that they're players, such as uh, DTR on UCLA and Cam Rising at Utah. Uh, and, and at the same time, looking at this Oregon-UCLA game, uh, and you have to give Bo Nix credit because it really started with him, it's not like the UCLA defense was dominant at any stage. You know, they let Marquis Irving run all over him. It seemed like Noah Whittington, whenever they needed to rely on him, he was able to muster chunk yardage. Uh, Bo Nix even had, I think, over 50 yards on the ground. Um, this UCLA-Oregon game exemplifies everything you were just talking about. A, QB play is better in the Pac-12. A lot of it is uh, the progression of quarterbacks who are already here, and then B, the replacement of some QBs with transfers. Uh, but also, yeah, Pac-12 defenses, man, they're just not – they've never – I mean – I I don't want to say it's ever been a staple of the Pac-12. It's been a staple of individual teams at periods, like you were talking about uh, Utah and the Utes and that dominant defensive front getting to the quarterback at uh, last year. But 
defensive play this year, man, it's it's not there. It doesn't seem to be. And, and you know, as we look at the, the road ahead in the Pac-12 and this uh, title chase, um, you know, heading into the final weekend of October and then into November, I mean, that Utah-Oregon game, it's probably going to be very important on November 19th. You know, you have USC and UCLA playing that same day. So, like, that's going to be judgment day most likely. Oh, in yeah. The Pac-12 in terms of who gets the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas in December. But, like, that Utah-Oregon game is so fascinating because, like, that'll be the ultimate test for Utah's defense. You know, like, if Utah's defense wants to leave this season saying, hey, you know, we finally stood our ground. We finally made a statement. Well, that game in Eugene certainly gives uh, Utah's defense a chance to make that kind of, of, of statement. And and on the other hand, you know, Oregon uh, playing at home uh, in Eugene, like once again, we, we talked about this last week on Get Off My Pylon, is that road teams, the Pac-12, they just aren't getting it done. And so Oregon over UCLA furthered that trend. So, you know, like Utah will have, it's hands full trying to get that elusive elite level road win. And of course, you know, in terms of how we uh, deal with the four way race in the conference, if Utah cannot beat uh, Oregon in, uh, in Eugene on November 19th, that means the USC UCLA winner uh, is going to join the ducks uh, in the PAC 12 championship game. So in terms of the PAC 12 race, Alex, just looking at all the different dynamics uh, involved with you know, Utah having to play a couple uh, big road games. We're going to talk about one of them in just a second here. Uh, Utah having to win a couple big road games. USC, UCLA headed for the showdown on the 19th. And then Oregon, you know, at least right now, certainly in first place and, and, and loving life at, uh, in the catbird seat. Uh, what are your main impressions about how you think this race is going to unfold down the stretch? Well, I think it's key. You named it. It's between four teams. It's, it's the Utes, the Bruins, the Trojans, and the Ducks. That's no question. For two of those teams, we know what it comes down to. For, for both UCLA and USC, the rivalry's back on, and the rivalry means everything. Sure, uh, you have to win your other games, but by far, easily, your biggest competition and the biggest game of the season is going to be uh, that USC game coming up uh, towards the end of the season. So we know that one of those two teams, winner of that game, is, is probably going to advance. For Oregon, Utah, Utah clearly the harder road. Oregon, it was a big win against UCLA because if they'd lost to the Bruins, things are all, in my opinion, coffins almost shut on the Ducks, uh, Pac-12 championship hopes. Uh, now they're sitting pretty up top. Uh, I think I think it's an easy road for the Ducks. Not an easy road, but it's it's easier easier now than it's ever been all season. Especially yeah. when when we think about we think about that week one loss to Georgia. Uh, you know that team that team. I don't think we would ever talk about in just mere weeks. They'd be back on top of the Pac-12 discussion, and frankly, back in the top ten. Um, so I, I for right now, Utah's got a long way to go. I'm thinking it's an easy route for Oregon and UCLA, USC. We, we know what it comes down to. It's November 19th. So let's talk about not necessarily the USC, UCLA game, but, you know, this is kind of part of the discussion about USC, UCLA. And that is that, you know, after UCLA's defense was completely eviscerated by Oregon, 
Uh, and, you know, UCLA's non-conference schedule, cupcake-filled, very soft and, and creamy, uh, not, uh, not very tough, not very uh, imposing. And this was UCLA's first big road test, and the Bruins absolutely flunked it. Um, how much should we downgrade UCLA as a result of this game? Because, you know, UCLA, a big time went over Utah. Solid win over Washington. Like UCLA has a little bit of meat on the bone in terms of its resume, but this was bad. And, and that defense uh, looked slow. It looked weak. Um, so like, are, how much do we react to one game? I mean, I, albeit against a very good team, how much do we react to one game in terms of reshaping how we assess the Bruins uh, heading into late October? Well, I feel like you and I, if I remember last week's conversation, I feel like you and I were, or I, I spoke, and I feel like we were kind of on the same page. Uh, first off, Zach Charbonnet is, is him. That's that guy. He's He's got it. But we also spoke about if UCLA wanted to go into Eugene, especially seeing how hard road games had been on Pac-12 teams this year, almost every Pac-12 team, uh, it had to start with DTR, had to go through DTR. And he, he couldn't carry that sluggish defense. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was doing everything he could, uh, but ultimately couldn't get the passing in going. And, and when your defense is giving up points, you have to have the ammunition for a shootout. And and their their main weapon wasn't ready to fire. So I I see this UCLA Oregon loss as yeah, there was a there was a clear road to victory for UCLA. And if they didn't do it, it was kind of result how it ended. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, I still view UCLA as I viewed them last week. Uh, the whole NCAA is, 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 is weird this week or this year, this season. Uh, I think UCLA is a top 20 team, probably top around 15 to 18, I'd say. Um, but this is, this is not, uh, an overreaction in my opinion. It's going to be fascinating to see how UCLA uh, responds to that loss as we head forward. All right, we're going to talk about more games in the Pac-12 as we continue here on Get Off My Pylon. But first, college football fans, we're past the midway point of the season now for sure. Uh, we've gotten through week eight. Uh, so, you know, there are going to be 15 weeks, uh, 15 weekends, you know, including Army-Navy uh, in December. If you want to get in on the action, you want to go to a game, you are beginning to run out of chances. I mean, you, the window of opportunity is not really tiny, but it's beginning to shrink, all right? So if you want to get to a game, we know that you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. Go to Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. And so when you're buying college football tickets online, Ticket Smarter's partner with ESPN Events is its official ticket resale partner. And so for the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans all over the country Experience the power and excitement of college football live. Hey, get your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market for those big games in November and early December with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And for our listeners here at College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, hey, take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our special promo code GRIDIRON22. That's gridiron 22 or 5% off your order of 100 bucks or more. And that's not just one time, that's for the rest of the season. And so again, we're, we're getting toward November. Time is running a little bit short. 
So check out the selections and pricing now with Ticket Smarter at the app or at ticketsmarter.com. And remember our code, Gridiron22. Think smarter at Ticket Smarter. All right, Alex. So uh, UFC uh, coming off an off week. Uh, you know, no word yet as we record this broadcast early in the week. If you're listening to us later in the week, there might be new information developing, but no word yet on whether Eric Gentry is going to play. No word yet on whether Shane Lee is going to play. So USC banged up at linebacker uh, going into Tucson. And, you know, Arizona, not likely to win this game, but, but if Jaden Delora plays his best, if Jaden Delora has a career game, Jaden Delora, who is capable of playing great, does play great, well, this might get a little bit interesting given how USC's defense struggled to defend the pass no. game against Utah, allowing over 400 yards. So what are no. you looking at? What are you looking for from USC in this game? And, and I, I'm sensing that on a scale of 1 no. to 10, no. your worry level is minus 3. Yeah, no. Here's the deal. <clears throat> we all saw Kerry. Set me straight. We we all saw Caleb Williams crying coming off that field. We saw Eric Gentry try to get on the field when he couldn't even walk. Uh, this USC team has more heart than probably the Pete Carroll era, I'd say. Uh, frankly, there's a chip on their shoulder. It's There's a chip on their shoulder seeing how they've been treated by the public, especially uh, the – the sports world i mean they were one point away they lost by one point and oh they're frauds oh they shouldn't even be there oh this is ridiculous guys guys usc lost by one point and remind you they still put up over 40 it was an offensive explosion sure their defense couldn't hold you're right they didn't deserve to win that game defensively but the usc team is good it's a very very strong usc team that could end up leading this pac 12 at the end of it all um they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder the offense is going to come in ready to put up probably 50 because they know 40 isn't going to do it this time uh I, I arizona can play as great as they want they they can't they can't man they can't handle the firepower of the usc trojans of the uh, vengeful usc trojans the one thing I'll say is that Arizona has allowed 49 points exactly in three of its last four games. So like that, right, that's you're gonna hear a prediction. problem if you're thinking about this game from an Arizona perspective. Prediction time. Um, I'm, I'm feeling 63 points by this USC offense, Matt Seller. Very possible. And I think this, this might certainly be a Pac-12 game in which USC eclipses 50. So like scoring is not going to be a problem. But like if Arizona gets off to a – 14 nothing lead and this this could just become a track meet and maybe Caleb Williams forces a pass I mean just this defense better be ready to set the tone and I think you know one of the one of the central keys for the Trojans in this game has to be Tuli Tuli Pelotu that like this is where he steps up right because if you don't have Eric Gentry playing in this game and you don't maybe Shane Lee plays but with that you know the cast around his wrist he's not fully effective he's not able to tackle as well as he can I mean, like we saw that against Utah just not able to tackle as well as he, he usually would if he's fully healthy. So if your linebackers are hurt uh, and if your secondary is coming off poor performance against Dalton Kincaid and, and the rest of the Utah pass catchers, uh, you need your defensive front 
to get to work. You need that pass rush uh, to go into beast mode. You need Tuli Tuli Pelotu, the leader, to lead the charge. I think that I think that's the foremost key to U- to, to USC's uh, trip to Tucson and the old Pueblo uh, to get back on track with a win. And the other the other thing to mention about this game, Alex Blau, is that this is the last game USC plays outside Los Angeles this season uh, in terms of the regular season. Now, USC hopes to play in Las Vegas in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, but in terms of the regular season, USC plays all of its November games in L.A. I mean, the UCLA game is a road game, but that's in Pasadena, so that's the L.A. metro area. USC gets past this game. It's home cooking, sleeping in your own bed for the entire month of November. So, like, the USC is favored by a ton in this game, but the Trojans really need to take it seriously, and it begins with Thule, Tui Pelotu up front. And that's a great point you just made uh, about travel because we've seen how tough road games can be, especially on USC teams – or, sorry, Pac-12 teams this year, uh, USC teams included. Um, by the way, Matt Semek, uh, to tie – one more thing that I, I'd like to see – is I know there was a lot of finger pointing at Lincoln Riley at the end of the last game about his time management. Um, to bring it back to the Oregon UCLA game, there was a very early turning point in my mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was a great decision. Kick. There it is. I'm not saying exactly an onside kick, but I want to see some creativeness from the Lincoln Riley team that 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 rejuvenates this USC team after, after uh, two weeks ago? Well, I think the creativity needs to come from and this fan Alex base. Grinch on the defensive side. Like that's where we need to see the creativity is like same and old, for same his old, sake. cut it for his sake. Cause this is a guy that we keep talking about for head uh, coaching vacancies, whether he wants it or not, but he's, he's got to earn it. Absolutely. Uh, we're one, we're going to talk about one more game in the Pac-12. It's a Thursday night special. But first, uh, college football season underway. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like Probably. BetUS. So BetUS has been a pioneer in the sports book industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. you got to like that. So we want you to go to BETUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have here at College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. So put 100 bucks in, get an additional $125 to play with. $200 in, you get $250, and so on and so forth. You can do the math there. So at BetUS, you also have the NFL. Hey, the World Series, Astros and Phillies is this week. NBA season fully underway, NHL. Uh, college basketball in just two weeks it's all happening world cup in one month that's coming up quickly uh so for all the action uh for, for if you're a college football fan but if you're a sports fan you want to bet on anything and there's a lot going on right now just check them out at betus.com betus.com and remember our 125 percent match bonus for initial signups with the college gridiron coast to coast special code coast 22 that's coast Bet US. You bet. You win. You get paid. All right, Alex. Let's round out the show with uh, one more game. And also, just want to duck this in before uh, Utah-Washington State on Thursday night, a Thursday night Pac-12 special. 
If you're handicapping the Arizona State head coaching search right now and realize that Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator at Oregon, is an Arizona State alum, would you say that he is the favorite for this job after what he has done with Bo Nix this season and after what he did to UCLA uh, this past weekend? Do you think Kenny Dillingham is, is number one on the big board at Arizona State? It's too soon to say. Let's uh, if they don't if they hold on to this Pac-12 lead, I would say so. But there's a uh, though, as we mentioned, though they do have the easiest road, there's still opportunities to blow it. Fair enough. All right, so to close our show, we have Utah at Washington State. It's a Thursday night special. Uh, some of the plot points are pretty obvious. You know, Utah on the road um, hasn't been great this season. You know, lost on the road at Florida, lost on the road at UCLA. You know, the offense played great at home against USC, but we haven't seen the elite Cam Rising. The, the guy uh, led Utah to the Pac-12 championship last year and the Rose Bowl. We haven't seen that guy in a big road game yet. Well, this, to be fair. Let's start there. The, Are we going to see elite Cam Rising in Pullman, in the Palouse, in primetime? I don't know if we're going to see elite Cam Rising. I don't think it matters if we see elite Cam Rising. Because, as you mentioned, the Utes haven't been good uh, playing away. Cam Rising hasn't been good playing away. Cam Ward hasn't been great playing away or at home frankly um so so washington state has the worst camp yeah oh oh yeah i mean and 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 also yeah go ahead i I would no no no, i was thinking about you 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 go first let me finish my i'm putting my thought together well, you know, just, you know, Cam Ward has not been very good this season. I mean, we, we both saw Washington State get shut out in the second half of the USC game, and then Washington State's offense uh, fell flat against Oregon State. And so, you know, like the Cougars are backtracking there, and they are in full reset mode. Like they need to press the reset button on their season, and they had a, a week off before this Thursday night game. So – you know, are, are, are we going to see a new Washington State offense? Because it's been bad. It's It's been a, a rough scene the past few weeks. And it's, without it's putting it all I mean, on Cam Ward, that offensive line has been very leaky. You know, Tui Tui Pelotu, great player, but should any guy be getting three sacks against you? That's what Washington State allowed to Tui Pelotu uh, in the USC game on October 8th. Let me ask you this. Uh, because I had expectations for him. I, I do think, what if uh, has Tavion Thomas met your expectations this season so far? Or not? No, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the Queefy before he got injured, like he he was uh, amazing, and then Dalton Kincaid, like the, the, they're the two best, most reliable players uh, on the Utah team. Now Cam Rising was great in the USC game, but again, we need to see him carry that form to the road. Yeah, um, I mean. I think uh, it's it's been a, it's been a tough year for Washington State and for the Cougs. Um, I frankly don't think that no matter their offense isn't a highlight. Their defense has been, I guess you could say, the best part of their team. That's not going to be able to hold up to Cam Rising. Even so, I don't think their offense is going to be able 
to get anything going against this tough Utah defense that frankly is going to have one of their best performances, I feel like, since last year when they were that dominant unit. Um, well, and this gets, this gets into this gets into the, the thing that we were talking about earlier, that quarterbacks are generally better in the Pac-12 this year. Defenses are generally worse. Utah's defense is definitely worse than it was a year ago, but does Washington State have the offense to take advantage of it? And it doesn't look like it because Washington well, State has taken a step back. Like Jaden Delora at Washington State last year, you know, before he transferred to Arizona this year, Washington State had a better offense with Delora last year than it does with Cam Ward right now. And and yes, Washington State had a much better offensive line last year. So for, before anyone tells us, hey, it's not the quarterbacks, it's the O-line. On balance, yes, that's probably true. But of course, Cam Ward did come to Pullman with a lot of hype. And he certainly hasn't met it. He certainly ha- doesn't make those special plus plays uh, often enough to offset uh, the limitations of his roster. And many people thought that Cam Ward would be able to offset the limitations of the Washington State roster. So, you know, but uh, so against Utah's defense, like, is this a vulnerable enough Utah defense that Cam Ward, as mediocre as he's been, and is this a matchup where he can actually find some opportunity? No. Because if, if it's, it's because. Go ahead. It's, it's we're, what I'm trying to kind of mix with both. What I'm trying to say is it's going to be a dominant performance because, yes, they're not as good, but the matchup plays well because what Cam Ward does consistently is he makes mistakes and he turns the ball over. And if there's one high aspect of this Utah defense, it's their pass coverage. They're, Clark they Phillips, can't, you bet. They, they, they can't really stop the run. They can't really get consistent pressure against the QB, but they're good in pass coverage. And that's where Cam Ward, frankly, makes mistakes. Uh, and, and that's why the matchup just doesn't favor the Cougs. I would have to agree there that Washington State does like to throw the ball, and that's where in Utah is good at defending the downfield pass. So, absolutely. I, th- I do think the compatibility of the matchup definitely works in Utah's favor. All right, Alex, it's been an interesting oh, week. To in finish your club. thoughts real quick. Yeah. Um, I would say Cam Ward is probably the fourth or the fifth best Cam on the West Coast. Cam Rising, okay. Cam Ron, Cam from Modern Family, uh, Polaroid cameras, and then Cam Ward. See, that that's why we have you on our show. And and you were you were lining it up. You were you were lining it up like you know, like a throwback screen. You know, you were luring me to the right side of the field. Uh, yeah. Gonna go, had, gonna I had to get in the, the real message time. first. You know, you gave me you gave me the okie doke. So that was that's a brilliant way to end our show. So folks, we're part, get off my pylons. Part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Listen to all your favorite College Gridiron Coast to Coast shows at Red Circle, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you find your podcasts. Whether it's Mark Rogers' Big Ten Paradigm or Yards and Stripes on the Service Academies, or Florida Insiders with Jason Powers, or Alex, what's your favorite podcast? Pigskins and Burtans. Pigskin and Burtans with Patrick Netherton. Absolutely. We also have Tyler Jones uh, with the Big 12 Breakdown. Hey, any of your favorite shows, go to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast feed at Red Circle. Whenever a show drops, including Get Off My Pylon, but also all the other shows in in our umbrella, um, just you, you get them every week delivered right to you at College Gridiron Coast Coast. So for Alex Blau, this is Matt Zemeck. We'll talk to you next week about the Pac-12 and Western College football 
here on Get Off My Pylon.